What's up, IES teens? I'm excited that I get to join you guys as you continue your hostage series. And for those of you that don't know me, my name is Alec Hurst. My wife and I were previously the preteens pastors at IES. And we know that some of you teens watching right now were once in our group. And so excited, it's exciting to see you guys again in some form or fashion. And we love and miss you guys. And for this week, as we continue our hostage series, this week's topic is depression. It's a very heavy topic. And we all know, since COVID-19 hit, our lives have not been the same. A lot of us may feel stuck. Stuck at home. Stuck in terms of not being able to enjoy some activities or sports anymore. Maybe we can't visit friends or family as much as in the past. And for some of us, we may be battling with serious personal or relational issues. And we're just wondering, how in the world do I make it through this? You're struggling. And the Oxford Dictionary defines depression as a state of excessive sadness or helplessness, often with physical symptoms. You know, trying to understand a person's depression is like trying to understand why a person has a headache. It could be caused by a number of things, poor diet, lack of sleep, stress, maybe there's a genetic component, or maybe a combination of all those things. And with depression, it can, the onset can come from trauma or tragedy, spiritual attacks, guilt from bad choices. And these all can be exacerbated by negative thought patterns and poor habits. And more often than not, depression and other mental health issues are complex as we are complex beings. And today we're gonna to be looking at a prime example of the complexity of depression and human suffering in general. And so we're gonna be looking at actually the oldest book of the Bible, not the oldest in terms of chronologically, but the oldest written book of the Bible, and that's Job. And so, and that's considered the oldest written book of the Bible. And so we're gonna get right into it today and look at the story of Job and figure out the key to finding victory and peace during tough times. And so we're going to get into this. Job 1.1. There once was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, and 500 female donkeys. He also had many servants. He was, in fact, the richest man in that entire area. When I was a kid growing up in the U.S., something that became popular when I was about seven, eight years old is parents would put bumper stickers in the back of their car and it would say something like, my child is an honor roll student at this school or my child has all A's at this school. Those parents wanted everyone on the road to know I'm proud of my son or my daughter. Look what they've done. This is the kind of pride that God had towards Job. It says that, that Job was a man who loved and lived for God every day, a man of integrity. And in return, God chose to bless Job with a lot of material wealth and possession. But now let's see what happens next. Job 1.6 One day the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord, and the accuser Satan came with them. Where have you come from? The Lord asked Satan. Satan answered, I have been patrolling the earth watching everything that's going on. Then the Lord asked Satan, Have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. 
He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. Satan replied to the Lord, Yes, but Job has good reason to fear God. You have always put a wall of protection around him and his home and his property. You have made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. But reach out and take every, everything away he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. All right, you may test him, the Lord said to Satan. Do whatever you want with everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. You see, Satan was accusing Job of having a commercial faith. One that promised prosperity in return for obedience. It's easy to live for God and follow him when he blesses us. But we all should ask ourselves this question. Am I living for God for the blessing and my own self-interest? Or will I serve him no matter what happens? And God is so confident in Job's loyalty, he allows Satan to test him. Do whatever you want, just don't touch him physically. This was an incredible showdown between God Almighty and the Prince of Darkness. And in one day, Job was stripped of his wealth. It says he lost 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys, 3,000 camels were stolen by his enemies, 7,000 sheep were struck by lightning and killed, and all 10 of his children were killed by a one storm. So the hosts of heaven and hell are all watching what's happening to see, okay, how is Job going to respond? What is he going to do? So the next part is when we start taking notes. How do I respond when I'm suffering? Point number one, express your emotions. Let's see exactly how Job responds after he loses all these things in one day. Job 1.20, Job stood up and tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head and fell to the ground to worship. Job stood up and tore his robe in grief. Emotions are an essential part of being a human being. If God gave them to us, they're meant for good and they serve a purpose. And if you take a close look at Jesus, the perfect, blameless Son of God, he expressed a wide range of emotions, from extreme anger to sadness and grief. There is nothing wrong with expressing your emotions in a safe and appropriate manner. And yes, as Christians... We're called to have self-control, but sometimes self-control can be associated with suppressing or pretending the feelings aren't there, and that's not what we're supposed to do. All our emotions are supposed to lead us to action, to draw close to God. In Psalm 145:18, it says, The Lord is close to all who call on Him. Yes, to all who call on Him in truth. You know, some of us, it comes easier than others to put on that mask, right? When we're out in public, maybe inside we're struggling, but we, we were around people, all of a sudden the mask comes on, right? You're like, people ask, how, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great. Yeah, I'm great. But inside you're like, no, oh, I hate my life. I, yeah, it's miserable. Yeah, I'm great, right? But when we're around people that, we re we, that really know us, we can put on the mask, but we don't fool anyone, right? We're like, what's really going on? And that's what God is saying to you. You don't got to put the mask on me. Take the mask off. What's really going on? He wants to meet you in your brokenness. He already knows what you're going through. And he wants to meet with you, comfort you, and help you. 
So in the privacy of your room, you have every right to cry out to God. Pray to him. Journal how you're feeling. Take the time to grieve and express the emotions that you're feeling. There's nothing wrong with that. But don't get stuck there. Let's see what happens next. After Job grieved, it says that he fell to the ground to worship. And it goes on to say from there, this is Job talking about God. I came naked from my mother's room and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. And all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. When we go through tough times, it is extremely tempting to forget all that God has done for us. If you're watching this with someone, look at them straight in the eye and say, don't do it. Do not forget what God has done for you. Do not forget the promises of God. Seriously, look at them and say, don't do it, man. And if you're watching this by yourself, say it to yourself, don't do it. Do not fall for that trap. Too many people write their blessings in the sand, but engrave their sorrows in marble. Remember the times in the past when God was there for you. It's likely that you've had other times in the past that were tough. You made it through. You're going to make it through again. Think of all the people that God has placed in your life. People that love you, encourage you. All the talents and abilities he's given you. The advantages in life that he's given you. Do not forget those things. And ultimately, remember, you've been forgiven. You're going to spend eternity with God. He lives in your heart and he has an abundant life planned for you full of peace and joy right here and right now. Also meditate and memorize scripture. All throughout scripture, God talks about his love for you. How he's going to take care of you. All of these things are God's personal and priceless reminders to you. Do not forget those things. And again, Job acknowledges everything I own was given to me by God. The same God who gave it away has ev- the same God who gave it to me has every right to take it away. We have to remember we have zero ownership over any blessing in our life. We don't own those things. They belong to God. So hold loosely to them. We don't own them. But at the same time, we can still enjoy them, use them for God's glory while we still have them. So in this first test here, Job passed with flying colors. This is one of those moments where I'm sure God was like, that's my boy. He did it, right? He passed. But Satan did not give up. Satan went back to God. And he pretty much said, God, every man has his price. You may have taken killed his his kids may have been taken away. He lost all of his wealth. But he's, he can start a new family. He can start a new business and be wealthy again. If you really want to test Job, let me take away his physical health. This is Satan talking to God. And so God says, very well then. He is in your hands, but you must spare his life. You cannot kill him. Again, God is so confident in Job's loyalty to him. And so it says in Job 2.7, So Satan left the Lord's presence and he struck Job with terrible boils from head to foot. Job scraped his skin with a piece of broken pottery as he sat among the ashes. So now he's lost everything. He's lost his money. He's lost his family. He's covered with this terrible skin disease on his entire body in terrible agony. I don't know about you, but it doesn't get much worse than that. 
And maybe some of you feel that way. It's gone from bad to worse. And it's like you're barely hanging on. You feel like you can't catch a break. But, but hang in there. Your story is not over and neither is Job. So let's keep reading. The next point to remember when you're in tough times is you have to choose your friends wisely. In Job 2.11, it says, When three of Job's friends heard of the tragedy he had suffered, they got together and traveled from their homes to comfort and console him. When they saw Job from a distance, they scarcely recognized him. Wailing loudly, they tore their robes and threw dust into the air over their heads to show their grief. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and nights. No one said a word to Job, for they saw that his suffering was too great for words. Even though Job's friends couldn't fix his problems, they couldn't have come at a better time to comfort and just be there for him. Not only are we supposed to cast our cares and our grief on the Lord, we're supposed to turn to each other for support and help. In Galatians 6, 2, it says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. This shows we have a responsibility to each other. And some of our burdens we weren't meant to carry alone. We don't have the strength, the resources, or perhaps the knowledge to get through it on our own. Don't do life alone. You are never meant to hold this burden by yourself. And if you humbly admit that you can't do it on your own, I promise you, God will meet your needs and he will provide the people that you need during that season. If you humbly admit and tell him that you need him. All right, so now we have good news and we have bad news. The good news is Job's friends did a great job in terms of being there for him at the beginning of his suffering. For seven days, they were with him, just silently sympathizing with him. But they went on to make some critical, critical mistakes. They tried to explain Job's situation and give him some diagnosis as to how to fix it. With their limited knowledge and understanding of God, and their limited knowledge of what's going on in Job's life, they wanted to be a doctor, prescribe what's going on, and tell him how to fix it. So the first thing Job's friends said was, we know that God punishes the wicked and he blesses the righteous. So if that's the case, Job must have done something wrong. He's not the man we thought he was. He must be an evil man and he's wicked. That's why God is, is attacking him and punishing him. And while it is true, we can suffer due to sin, even as Christians. Even though we've been forgiven, we're going to spend eternity with God, we still have free will, and we can choose to sin. And even though our, our past, our present, and future sins are all forgiven, there are still natural and earthly consequences to sin, whether it be financial, relational, or health. But that's not always the reason why people suffer. Job's friends were making a very absolute, simplistic statement about suffering on earth. Something they don't fully understand, but they try to. In C.S. Lewis's writing, The Problem of Pain, he says, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. God sometimes uses pain to warn us, humble us, and bring us to the place of submission. Secondly, 
Job's friends said, if you confess your sins to God, he will forgive you and all these trials will end. And again, they were partially right. God does forgive every single one of us when we ask for forgiveness and humbly admit that we fell short of what he had planned for us. But God is not a genie. We cannot manipulate God based off of our own self-interest. And don't get me wrong. God loves to bless you. God loves to help you. But God doesn't always bless in the time and manner that we want. Our character development, our relationship with God, is much more important than prosperity here on earth. When you live for Jesus, that is not the focus of our life. So these three men had some knowledge, but they lacked wisdom. Charles Spurgeon said, Wisdom is the right use of knowledge. To know is not to be wise. Many men know a great deal and are all the greater fools for it. There is no fool so great a fool as the knowing fool. But to know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom. A wise counselor and comforter must listen with the heart and response of feelings as well as to words. You do not heal a broken heart with logic. You heal a broken heart with love. Now God can give you wisdom as to how to help someone during a hard time. But you must earnestly pray and make sure that you share the right words at the right time and with the right motive. Job was so hurt by his friends that he called them worthless physicians and miserable comforters. He pretty much responded by saying, you guys have no idea what you're talking about. During a time when I needed you the most for comfort and sympathy and encouragement, you let me down. I, I rest my case in God, knowing that he knows that I'm righteous. So again, with the people that you choose to, to be close to you, are they speaking life into you? Are they encouraging you and pointing you in the right direction? Henry Ford said, my best friend is the one who brings out the best in me. So at this point, not only is Joe bankrupt, he has no family, he has this repulsive skin condition, he's living at the city dump, pretty much as a leper, he's an outcast. And Job then goes into a very, very dark place. The next point to remember during hard times is be real with God. At this point, Job began to ask a question that I think everyone asks when they go through a tough time. Why? Why me? Job began questioning the justice of God and even regretted being born. Job 10.18 says, why then did you bring me out of the womb? I wish I had died before any eye saw me. If only I had never come into being or had been carried straight from the womb to the grave. Those are some pretty strong statements. And this shows us we can be completely honest and transparent with God. Our almighty God, our powerful creator, he can take your anger, he can take your fears, he can take your questions. That doesn't mean we can blas be blasphemous or curse him, but we can be completely honest with him. He can take it. And not only does God hear all your prayers, he will in response help you and comfort you. But remember, 
no matter what you're going through, God is always working behind the scenes. He always has blessings in store for you. And at this time, God finally speaks to Job. But he answers Job's questions with his own questions. In fact, God asked Job about 77 questions. Now, we're not going to go through all of those, but we are going to see the ones that God started with. Job 38.2 Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and he shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Woo! God's kind of speaking with uh, a tone of holy sarcasm to put things in perspective for Job. And the whole purpose of God's series of questions is to help Job realize his own inability to understand the ways of God and defend his cause. Now, a couple of things here. God was not mad at Job. God was not mad at Job's emotional reactions, and he was not mad at Job's questions. He only questioned Job's ability to explain the ways of God in the world. And when God displayed his majesty and his greatness and his questions to God, Job realized, uh, I don't know what I'm talking about. You ever had a situation where you have a debate with someone and perhaps their points made more sense than yours and you're stuck? All of a sudden you realize, I have no argument, right? This is what the situation Job was in. And it humbled Job. He realized that whatever God does is right and he has to accept it in faith. He cannot fully understand the ways of God. So God told God told Job, I can't answer your questions. All I can do is humble myself and repent. When we humbly submit to God, everything changes. Now let's see how things end for Job. Job 42. So after God asked Job those series of questions, this is how Job responded. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge. Surely I spoke of things I did not understand. Two things for wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer. My ears had heard of you and now my eyes have seen you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. After the Lord had said these things to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Temanite, this is Job's friends, the ones who uh, tried to diagnose the situation. He says to them, I am angry with you and your two friends, because you have not spoken the truth about me, as my servant Job has. So now take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and sacrifice a burnt offering for yourselves. My servant Job will pray for you and I will accept his prayer and not deal with you according to your folly. You have not spoken the truth about me, as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz, the Temanite, Bildad, the Shuhite, and so far the Nathamite, God love these Old Testament names, did what the Lord told them, and the Lord accepted Job's prayer. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. All his brothers and sisters and everyone who had known him before came and ate with him in his house. They comforted and consoled him over all the trouble the Lord had brought on him. And each one gave him a piece of silver and a gold ring. The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former part. 
He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 donkeys. And he also had seven sons and three daughters. The first one named Jemima, the seven Keziah, and the third Karen Habuk. Nowhere in all the land were there found women as beautiful as Job's daughters, and their father granted them an inheritance along with their brothers. After this, Job lived a hundred and forty years. He saw his children and their children to the fourth generation. And so Job died an old man and full of years. As painful as Job's trials were, he came out of those hardships victorious. Job 23.10, it says, this is Job talking about God. When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. When you put gold in intense heat, all the impurities come to the surface to be removed, and all that's left is beautiful, pure gold. And when we are going through tough times, all our impurities come to the surface, right? When we're going through the fire, the anger, the fear, the anxiety, the depression, all those things come to the surface. And if we remain trusting and teachable, God can remove all those things. And we can come out of those situations stronger, more Christ-like, and equipped to help those going through tough times as well. And for those of you still going through the fire, remember that God is right there with you. And I promise you that he will see you through as you seek him. And as we close, I'm just going to share some song lyrics for a song. I'm sure you guys don't know. It's a bit older. I'm going to show my age with the song. But in closing, I'm just going to ask everyone watching to please close their eyes and let these lyrics sink in. I am determined to be invincible till he has finished his purpose in me and nothing shall shake me for he'll never forsake me. I am determined to live for the king. When I am weary, I'll look to his face. When I'm tempted, I'll trust in his grace. I am determined to be invincible till he has finished his purpose in me. And nothing shall shake me, for he'll never forsake me. I am determined to live for the king. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for just the, the life lessons we can learn from Job, Lord, that we can be honest in what we're going through, that we can remember what you've done for us, what you promised us, and that through it all, you will never leave us. And we will come through it all victorious through your strength. And we thank you that through it all, you will never leave us. I pray that for all our teens who may be struggling, that you just meet them in a personal way. Let them know that you love them, that you're close, and that you will see them through. We thank you, Lord, that we will all come through hard situations victorious through your strength as we submit to you. In your name we pray. Amen.